Right now, a future president could be running as a local candidate on your ballot. This person is vying to represent you, your family, and your community. Do you know what they are and what they stand for? Vote411.org is your tool for accurate and unbiased, up-to-the-minute election information on the candidates running in local races. Just enter your address to get started. Your vote is your power, the power to decide who represents you in 2022 and beyond. Get online, get the facts, and make your voice heard on election day. Start from scratch for everybody who knows you and everybody who don't know. Who are you and what office are you running for? My name is Van Tanabe, and uh, I'm running for the office of governor for the state of Hawaii. Um, it's not my first dance, but, uh, you know, I keep trying because I believe that I have solutions that will greatly benefit the people as well as the state of Hawaii. Right on. So could you give us, uh, you know, a, a brief history of what brought you to now and, and what makes you a candidate? Um, well, I started off this journey, believe it or not, in 2002. And I actually ran against Linda Lingo. But then again, you know how powerful she was back then. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I I came up with this idea Probably in the year 2000, I'm not sure, 2000, 2001, whenever the teachers went on strike. And I came up with this idea to legalize a lottery for the state of Hawaii. But it's not just throwing it out and say, hey, let's get a lottery in here. No, I, I specifically designed this lottery for Hawaii and Hawaii only. In fact, I call it the Ohana lottery. And basically... Number one, you have to be a resident to participate. I don't, I don't want to depend on any tourist money, tourist dollars. And besides, if only Hawaii people play, only Hawaii people will win. Number two, you must have some form of income. Um, of course, paychecks will do, um, dividends, retirement, Social Security. Um, even disability checks would count. 
as a source of income. And, um, well, people ask me, what about welfare checks? I said, well, the only reason I would let allow welfare recipients to play is if they sign an agreement. If they win, they pay back the money they've been receiving from the state. And that's the third thing is uh, I put a limit, a cap of $50 per person. The reason for that is so that nobody falls behind on their financial obligations. And another thing about that is with a $50 cap, no one will have an advantage. Like let's say the president of Bank of Hawaii, he doesn't have an advantage over the janitor of Bank of Hawaii because we sit at $50 limit. So we all got the same odds. Now with these three things in place and uh, approximate workforce of 600,000 people in Hawaii, let's just say for the, for the sake of my argument, um, everybody plays the $50 a month, which breaks down to roughly 1250 a week and almost like an hour of your work, an hour of your pay. And uh, if, that, if that happens, we just generated $30 million for the state of Hawaii. With that money, you can help education with their financial needs. You can help the homeless. You can help providing affordable homes, affordable long-term care, um, and rebuild infrastructure. Um, there's all sorts of problems that we're facing today. And But one of the biggest problems is our lawmakers don't have the money to pay for anything. Mm -hmm. And that's why nothing gets done. So that's why I came up with that idea and I shared it with, uh, well, I shared it with Ben Cayetano when he was in office, but uh, I guess, you know, nothing really happened. And every year or every election, I, I bring up the same topic of the Ohana lottery, because I honestly believe with that kind of revenue, we could now, seriously address our issues and maybe um, fix a lot of them. I, I, I'm sure we can. Hmm. Uh, you know, oh, and I... by the way, for every $5 million that the states generate to this lottery, uh, this is not a Powerball thing. I don't want to create a frenzy. Um, but for every $5 million, I would put a million-dollar winner payable, 100000 for 10 years. And since I did it that way, I got four million nine hundred thousand less. So I pulled a fifty thousand dollar winner, two twenty five, and six ten thousand. In all, ten families will benefit directly from this program. But that was only for five million. Earlier, I said I could make thirty million. So we'll pull six million dollar winners, six fifties, twelve twenty five, thirty six ten thousand dollar winners in one month, every month. And I, that's why I call it the Ohana Lottery, because I guarantee you somebody in your Ohana will benefit directly from this program. Wow. You know, I, I think on that side of the logistics of how to de deploy the, the lottery itself, it sounds like a bankable opportunity. It reminds me more of the classic numbers game that operated on Black Wall Street before it was taken down by the United States government. Um, and, and that was a great equity dealer. I mean, a lot of people have shied away from uh, lotteries being profitable because of mismanagement and government. But then, 
you know, I would just then have to say the big question to be is with that, because I've been talking with, uh, you know, people running for state rep, people running for council, mm-hmm. people. I, I would have to say uh, as a top from the top down, you know, you you going for the top office. What could yeah. you provide in new communication to enable these departments to negotiate these monies and funds at a better rate? Because we've even found in the years that there has been influx of cash for Hawaii and money has been found. A lot of times it stalls out because like in the case of the uh, localized food going to the children's schools, it you know, it falls on the principals to stop using old vendors and make new cho- choices. And then in some cases of infl- implementation of you know, of how to handle the tax monies, there'd be a requirement from mayors to have the fiduciary responsibility to understand its impact on their budget and spend it responsibly without any crony capitalism getting in the way. Well, I would definitely designate some of these monies to specific programs such as homelessness, housing, education, you know, and, you know, for these... uh, representatives, city councilmen or state senators and all that who want to improve their particular county or district or wherever, um, they would have to, you know, try and get some of that money as best as they can. But, you know, again, I bet you right now nobody will stand next to me with it. But if this thing ever passed, they'll all be fighting for the money. As it tends to be in these parts. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, you know, I, again, our current government, I mean, you, I'm not just blaming Ige, but you can go back all the way all our own, back to, well, Ige, and, and you can even go back to Ariyoshi if you wanted to. But they're I've... spending money they don't even have. They're building one rail that they cannot complete. And before they even complete the rail, they're talking about building a stadium that's going to run about a billion plus dollars. They don't even have the money. And and, and the real estate market in Honolulu, they're selling off land that doesn't even belong to them. You know, and, and it's all to foreign interests, you know, foreigners. It's not local developments. It's all. And again, that's. That's why the cost of living is ridiculous in Hawaii. And it's not getting better. I mean, I was hoping to, you know, maybe curb some of that uh, high cost of living so our children or children's children don't have to leave the islands, you know? Right. I mean, if you want to, you want to explore America or the world, great. But if you have to leave, that's a different story. Oh, I know that story very well, sir. That was my grandparents' yeah. story. So Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I I um uh, I you know, you, you hit a lot of really good points with that and I'd like to be able to give you time to talk about more of your platform beyond the lottery. Um are there Oh yeah, I got a I got I got a solution for everything. <laughs> right on. So talk two solutions after the lottery, bro. I don't know. I started thinking about a lot of stuff and I figured, wow, hey, it works out, it works. And I, I you know, I sample it on people, sometimes strangers, and they look at me like, Wow, that's, that's not a bad idea. I mean, how come nobody thought of that? And I'm thinking, Well, I mean, how come the people in power are not thinking about this? You know, they should be thinking about the people, not 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 the foreign people, but the local people. That's who they're supposed to be thinking about. 
Yeah, I think we, we've we uh, catered a little bit too much to special interest. I mean, but that's been the case since the beginning. It really, like, I, I feel that there's a lot of yeah. parts in the machine True. that have been True. on autopilot since statehood because not, pe- not many people understand, like, how colonialism works in westward expansion America. And so, like, not a lot of people realize that, like, when a state was formed, you just take any baga who had a suit and a tie and knew how to speak <laughs> fine, fancy words, and they go, oh, yep. aren't you aren't you so-and-so's lad? Well, we've got a state for you to run. Here's Wisconsin. And, you know, and that's, yeah. that's how, you know, they put, put Americans in place and in charge of Hawaii in the beginning. And so you have yeah. kids that are just babies having babies in charge of a whole land of people they don't understand, implementing law from a, a foreign power source that is nearly months news away, you know, in a day and age. Uh, yeah. And so I think that in a lot of that, you know, we've kind of been stranded in a lot of cases. You know, I mean, when you compare us to uh, the other outlying territories or even other colonial territories, I mean, I feel like most days we're a combination of Scotland, the Falkland Islands, and all the bad troubles yeah. of the Atlantic, you know, because we, we sit well, in a I position. I think once we accepted the proposition, it's like we cannot grumble. Yeah. You know, I mean, once, they, once we came under their, their shadow or their umbrella, we belong to them. I mean, look what they did to, uh, you know, that Aliomano thing where the fuel is stored under Red Hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew when they built it that those pipes would not last forever. So in other words, they knew eventually there'd be leaks and it would go to the, the water table and contaminate our drinking water. You know, they knew all that. Right now, they 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 don't even know what they want to do because you can't just put these tanks any place. It, it has to be, I believe, it has to be underground under some kind of protection because if you left them out out in the open, easy targets for anybody, and then you would cripple the navy or cripple whatever. I mean, just by bombing the fuel tanks. And that's why they hid it under Red Hill. And but like I said. Um, it was over a hundred years ago, and 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 to today, I mean, they knew back then that sooner or later we'd have some leaks and then some problems. But then back then they wasn't even thinking of the local population and what the effects would be on us. But again, uh, you know, since that thing happened, I came up with an idea also for that. But you know, again, it's kind of a lot of my things off the wall. But if you really think about it, uh, it might be more feasible or attainable than what, what they're trying to do right now. I, 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 I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I think some aliens pick me up and put some stuff in my brain where I can figure out stuff nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, everything to me seems like they're not doing that. And that's why I put my, my hat in the ring because I was just getting frustrated. I was, you know, my kids, I have five, five children. And, you know, back 20 years ago, they were all babies. And I'm thinking, gee, what kind of future these kids going to have? I mean, I don't want to see them all leave the islands because they cannot in good work. They cannot, you know, afford to buy a home, you know, and, and nobody, nobody's doing anything about any of this stuff. You know, they don't even talk about education anymore because, I think they gave up on it because they can't improve it. You know, we're going to be the bottom of, you know, the 
bottom of the scale when it comes to the national standards and all this stuff. But I don't believe, you know, our kids are any more uh, harder to teach than the rest of the country. I mean, it's just a lack of um, lack of preparation, lack of support, funding, all that. Well, and I again, think... nobody seems to be doing nothing about it. I think that there's a lot of issue with how how the school system's implemented. I mean, pre-statehood, you know, from understood history and records, I mean, we we already knew how to teach our own people. And then overnight, we are turned into a standardized colonial system that doesn't Uh respect our teaching structure, you know. And yeah. that, you know, that's why we ended up with that ignorant savage era that they treated us like that, because it wasn't a matter mm-hmm. of like, we, 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 lo- we don't understand. It's that, you know, they're handing us a puzzle and expecting us to put it together the way they see it. But we weren't built to see the puzzle that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, just, just when they saw, um, the ancient Hawaiians, when they landed here, they, you know, already, they, they already put themselves above them, you know, because, oh, we look better than you. We got boats and all this kind of stuff. They don't realize that ancient Hawaiians been sailing the oceans for decades, generations, millenniums, you know. It's not, it's not a secret. But they think, again, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get into critical race theory, but, you know, I mean, Hawaiian people were doing it pretty good before all these other guys came around. Well, you know, speaking of pretty good before everyone else came around, uh, the interesting thing that I was learning is that the the ag department is so underfunded because of how oh, much yeah. mainland influence and private interest has interceded mm-hmm. over the years. I I actually have a plan to achieve food sustainability in Hawaii. Really? And the first thing I would do, I would um, restore all the ancient Hawaiian fish ponds around the state. I mean, we might even make new ones because, you know, we need to feed masses. But that's the beginning. And, you know, people always criticize, oh, where you can get the money from? Well, you know, my Ohana lottery can generate $30 million a month. I'm sure we can make some fish ponds with that. You know, it's not the kind, oh, we're looking for volunteers to help us, you know, restore it. No, no, no. We're going to pay this. We're going to rebuild, maintain, and actually operate these fisheries, these fish ponds. And that's the start to food. And as far as farming goes, you know, we need to support the local farmers. Nobody's supporting the local farmers. I would I would uh, offer local farmers uh, low to no interest loans so that they can obtain the necessary equipment, you know, the, the equipment they need to farm the land. And I uh, also would um, ask, well, not ask, I would just give local restaurants and um, re- uh, local restaurants and markets tax incentive to buy locally. So they would support the local farmers because eventually, you know, they all talk, talk, talk about food sustainability, but what did they do in the last eight years? Nothing. Again, nothing. Yeah, I, I would have you know? to say a lot of it has actually been taken on by the community. I'd say upcountry Maui has really just come together in itself. Like, I'd have to say that, like, it really, it, it takes a certain type of business owner, and we've got enough 
hard-headed Canucks up here that are willing to try to make it work. And they've definitely tried uh-huh. to support the systems. But we've seen how their business is buckled because they're just not capable of competing with Safeway or with Costco. And oh, yeah. So, but now if Safeway was giving one, one tax incentive, oh, buy the, buy the one from the local farmer. I know the mainland one might seem cheaper, but let's help the local farmers. Mm-hmm. You know, keep, keep the money in the state. I think that'll work. I mean, I always believe, and I still believe, that because of our our location and our climate and everything, we produce the best whatever you want to produce. You want to produce coffee? We got the best coffee. Macadamia nuts, the best macadamia nuts. Papayas, bananas, you know. I, and I would I would think that. Somebody would be thinking, hey, you know, let's let's um go all out on taro and promote it to the world as a substitute starch because it doesn't turn into a sugar like potatoes or rice. So it is a healthier product, and yet it's it's it, you know you can substitute uh, taro or even even ulu, you know, breadfruit. You can substitute those for your starch and not be hurting your health because all these other things you know those carbohydrates oh god they turn into sugar if you don't use them up so you know let's promote healthy living and at the same time we can be promoting local products again we got the best hey you talk about pakalolo we got the best of that too Shoot. Just that nobody's marketing it. Hey, you know, and I love to talk to uh, a gubernatorial candidate about that. So I would like to ask you right now: Could I have you back on to talk about that more at another time, brother? You can. I can. I can talk your ear off every oh, day. Like, shoot, I love it. <laughs> no, yeah, no, seriously, because you know what? Not enough no. are actually talking about that because, like, I, I spent most of my life growing up on the mainland. And, you know, coming huh. back after watching uh, everything change from when I was a kid and then like and then seeing how the mainland progressed in certain ways and then taking yeah. what I what you know, what was useful from the Manao on the mainland that I could bring back as fire for my people was that, you know, I yeah. always got confused at like how how behind the curve we were on the legalization yeah. game and how much it you know yeah. it's proven to do for economies. I mean, Colorado in the first well, year. Was already up Especially forty million now, dollars. You know, now that we know that, hey, it's just—it's not just a, a drug that will make you feel good. Yeah, it's actually good for you. You know, and after after we lived just last two years under this pandemic, you know, everybody in the beginning, everybody because Waikiki shut down, tourism shut down. Wow, Hawaii, we need to diversify our economy. Oh, but now, oh, the pandemic kind of fading. Oh, nobody talking about nothing anymore. You know, they had two years to start doing something. And the, the easiest one would have been to legalize recreational marijuana. And not only that, but, you know, I believe Hawaii should be the, the number one developer and researcher of CBDs, you know, and produce that. I mean, again, we get the best, we get the best soil that's going to turn out the best product. And you know, I mean, you want to you want to um, diversify our economy. That's one way. That's one way. That's just one way. There's other ways too, but that would be the easiest one. And when I say legalize, I'm not saying, oh, let's let Monsanto come here and 
just kill everything. No, I want the local farmers to grow this. Again, if we let Monsanto do it, we're only going to get the crumbs. Yep. Well, you and know, look what happened if, in California. If we do it locally, and even if the state, if if the state gets involved, it'll even be better. The state, you know, you imagine all these farmers, we state workers. Yeah. Yeah. They really get benefits and all that that state workers enjoy. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, because this is all a state-run operation, instead of the four percent sales tax, we get the hundred percent profit. Right on. That's what I believe, you know, and and the reason why we're so far behind the curve, because we have leaders, our leaders are actually followers. They're watching what's happening in the mainland, you know, oh, so many states legalizing, oh, legalize. I guarantee you, once it reaches about 35 to 40 states legalizing marijuana, then it's going to get on the ballot. It's going to do all this. I actually questioned Ige once about it. You know, I told him, oh, why not legalize marijuana and, and you know, use that as an industry to make money for Hawaii? He told me, no, you cannot do that because once you open up the marijuana, then you have to open it up to all drugs. I said, well, wait a minute. You're telling me if we open it up to Medical marijuana, we're going to legalize heroin, crack, all this other shit? No, you don't, you don't know maker. You decide what is law and what is illegal, you know? Same thing with the lottery. I told him about the lottery. Same thing he tells me, oh, if we open up the lottery, we're going to have to open up all forms of gambling. I say, why? It's the same thing. If you open up one, why do you have to open up all? You don't have to. You're the lawmaker. They forget that they actually have some control, you know. I mean, if you do it democratically, I would say, yeah, let the people decide. But I, I don't think majority would go for casino gambling. And I, I for one, will not. Um, I'm not um, lobbying for that because I, I see too many people get hurt. They go mainland, they go Vegas, and lose so much money. They come home. First thing they got to do is move because they don't have a house anymore, you know, and I don't want to see that happening to anybody. I mean, I know it's not, not going to be hundreds of thousands of people, but, you know, just a couple of families. That's, that's all it takes. You know, I don't, and, and well, I, I just think with the lottery that I described, that'll generate enough revenue, enough revenue to address a lot of the issues that happening in our state right now. And you think about this, I said 50 bucks, 50 bucks. If you wanted to increase the, the take or the revenue of the the whole Ohana lottery, all you gotta do is raise it $10, 60 buck limit. And you just increased it by 20%, you know? But I don't think we have to do that. I mean, I, I really feel you know, in the beginning, I'm sure not going to get 100% participation. But after a few months of watching your neighbors and family and co-workers, wow, you're going to want to contribute too. And the whole thing is, every month you'll be calling out local families, you know, from Hilo to Hanale and everywhere in between. People will be getting this money. 
on a monthly, you know, receiving the whatever the 10, 25, 50, or 100,000 or a million or 100,000. But then I guarantee you the next month, wow, more people are going to play. This might even incentivize people to get off welfare so they can participate also. I don't know. I just think that, you know, that's one way. And I, I honestly believe that it is one of the biggest problems facing Hawaii. Our lawmakers don't know how to generate revenue besides raising taxes. And that's unpopular. Well, Van, I think we've covered a lot of ground and we've opened up a lot more. And I would love to have you back on in about 30 days to catch up with you and do some more research sure. in the meantime. Sure. Right, she's No problem. Well, before you go, can you tell everyone how they can uh, get in contact with your campaign, support you, or uh, join your fight? Well, um, they can contact me through my email, or they can even direct message me if they have Facebook or something like that. But, uh, again, I'm not even soliciting campaign funds. You know, Keith Amamiya says, oh, he know how to eliminate corruption in government. Well, I do, too. Just stop all the contributions. You know, that's one way you can stop the, the, the corruption because, and, you know, they're going to say, yeah, but, you know, these people, they're only donating $5, $50. Yeah, but how you know the more corporation behind them giving them the money and telling them, folks, put it in this guy's name and all that. I mean, simple, simple. Look at all the corruption, like I said, in the mainland, senators, congressmen, they all, I don't know, they just serve the dollar. They don't serve their constituents. Sad. But anyway, to contact me, my got my phone number, uh, you can put it out. I mean, I mean, if I don't answer, you know, leave a message because I, I cannot answer every phone call if it comes in like that. And, Absolutely. you know, quite honestly, you know, I don't really answer if I don't recognize the number anyway. But if they leave a message, guarantee I'll call them back and, and we can talk story. Right. Uh, well, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes so people can contact you through the show. And yeah. uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Mahalo for your time. Okay. Oh, well, half hour already. <laughs> yeah, shoots. <laughs> All right, brother. Nice talking to you. Yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah, again, you know, if I can share more stuff with you guys, I mean, you know, I even have a solution for education. I got a, I got a plan to develop uh, Six Flags Hawaii in Hawaii, you know. Hey, you got to make money. And, and that will create thousands of jobs, you know. That's across, well... I'll be honest with you, I kind of gave up on Oahu already as far as development because it's just going so crazy. Pretty soon, bro, if you're standing in Honolulu, you're not going to see the sky. The only way you can see blue skies is if you look straight up because there's so much high rises coming up right now. Can I keep up? Can I keep up? And again, after they power build them, the things stay dark because nobody buying them. Local people cannot afford it. Maybe you see maybe a half a dozen to a dozen lights in the 40-story tower because, you know, rich foreign Chinese, Korean or whatever. But again, 
local people out left out in the cold every time. And, you know, I, I see nephews. I even have a daughter that moved to the mainland. And it's not by their choice. You know, they all went up there because they cannot make it over here. Two, two parents working, maybe two parents working two jobs. And they're still struggling to make payments. That's why it's so hard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to discuss anything else further with you. Oh, well. Thank you again, then. Well, you have a okay, wonderful Kirby. day, and we will catch up with you soon. Okay. Yeah, and if, uh, you know, if you get any questions or something, then, yeah, you can either um, what the, text me or call me, whatever. Again, just leave a message, and I'll get back to you. Right. No problem. Fantastic. Well, you have a wonderful yeah. day. Aloha. All right, bro. Take care. Aloha. <laughs> Rabbit Holes is a Manava Cow production. This episode was produced by Kadika Hoke and Sarah Rodriguez. Make sure to subscribe and follow on your favorite podcast platforms to add our weekly episodes to your queue.